0: Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for calling us together here in this afternoon. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word and help us draw closer to you. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully. We love you and we praise you. And we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It was revealed to them that they were, not, they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. so that your faith and hope are in God. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Pardon me for that. Um, You know, it seems to me that every year about this time, when you get into political party conference season, it it, it seems like spring, you know, uh, a spring of hope. That comes up and and people are, are listening to their party and they're cheering on their party and and they all think if only our party would get the majority, if only our party would be elected, then we would have hope, then things would be different, then things would turn around, then our nation would be stable, then we wouldn't have any more problems, then everything would go well. but in this case hope is nothing more than wishful thinking because it doesn't matter what political party is in power none of them can meet the hopes that people place in them. Now we've been talking about hope and we've been contrasting a lot of worldly hope with Christian hope because really in the world hope can be nothing more than wishful thinking because hope is always based on promises that cannot be fulfilled. I mean, I learned that a long time ago that you could listen to whatever political party and they can promise you whatever they want to promise you, but I promise you that whatever they promise you will be either unattainable or will not produce what they promise you. It will produce. And we've seen this. We've seen this time after time after time. And yet we get on this whole merry-go-round again of hope. And so that's why we as Christians, we need to have a hope that is unshakable. We need a hope that is a real hope, a hope that is not just wishful thinking, but a hope that will endure. And that's what we've been talking about these weeks. We've given this definition of hope. Christian hope is an earnest expectation of good, good outcomes, and a good future based on a true knowledge of God and God's promises founded on a relationship with the Father through the resurrected Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is hope for us. That is the definition of hope. That is the hope in which we live. And this hope is not wishful thinking because this hope is based in God. It's based in who God is and what God has said and what God has done. But when you read Peter today, Peter tells us some important things about hope. The first and probably foremost of which is where Peter says that we are born again. To hope. We are born again. In other words, in our definition, hope is founded on a relationship with God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot have hope, real hope, Christian hope, unless you're born again. Unless you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ where you surrendered your life to God through Jesus and allowed God to lead you And be the Lord of your life as well as the Savior of your soul. And that is the foundation for our hope. And we are born again to this hope. We're not born into hope naturally, but we are born again into hope. And that hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as we say in our definition, it's the resurrected Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus had just died on the cross and he was still, his bones were rotting in Palestine, in Israel somewhere. We wouldn't be following him. He would be nothing more than an empty Messiah and any one of a number of religious leaders. But Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and therefore when we are born again, we're born again to this living hope through the resurrected Jesus Christ. As resurrected from the dead, Jesus himself becomes the guarantee of our hope. And so Peter then goes on And he begins to describe this living hope that we've been born again into through Jesus Christ. He tells us a little bit of the nature of that hope. And he tells us that this hope represents an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that is kept in heaven for us. When we're born into this hope, we have promises from God, we have an inheritance that we will come into that cannot be corrupted, it cannot fade away, it will not die because it's kept for us in heaven. And so we always must remember that as Christians, ultimately, our hope rests in that divine future that God has planned for us through Jesus Christ. We can have a transitory, temporary hope in this world, but our ultimate hope rests in what we will receive as Jesus Christ comes again. But this hope for us is that we're also being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation. So it's not just, okay, we might get there, but if we get there, you know, a lot of times people are afraid, okay, well, what if I lose that? What if I fall away? What, 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 what if Satan gets a hold of me and he, he drags me away? Uh, and what Peter is telling us here is that this hope is guarded right now. We are being guarded right now by God's power through faith for salvation. In other words, the God who saved us is the one who guards us and guarantees that we will get there in the end. God doesn't save anybody that he doesn't bring all the way to the end of this thing. And that is our hope. We don't have to worry about the times when we've stumbled in sin. Instead, we need to have more confidence in God's ability to guard us than sin's ability to penetrate our shield. We have to have more confidence in God's ability to guard us than Satan's ability to deceive us because our hope is based in the fact that we are now being actively guarded by God's power through faith for the salvation we're going to receive. And this hope also is alive even when we go through trials and difficulties He talks about various trials. And so often I talk to Christians who are struggling and they feel like they've lost their hope because they're struggling. You know, life doesn't make sense. It's it's not working out like they thought. They don't have the job that they thought that they might have. They don't have the relationships they thought they might have. Uh, They don't have the blessings that they thought that they might have. It just doesn't seem to be working out. And I, I feel like that a lot of times. We're going through a difficult season and maybe the difficult season has been most of our lives. I certainly feel like that a lot of times too. But Peter says you have this hope that the trials you're going through, the struggles, the difficulty, the confusion, they are not uh, arguing against your hope. They are not contravening your hope. They are actually confirming your hope. That sounds kind of strange. How does it confirm our hope? Because as we go through the trials, as we go through the struggles, we hold on to our faith. And Peter says that what these trials are, are there for, it's not a punishment from God. It's not a sign that you, God you, hasn't been pleased with you. It's not a sign that you haven't done all the right things. The trials you go through will test the genuineness of your faith to the praise of God. And the genuineness of your faith is what helps you to hold on to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So trials don't argue against God's goodness and the good outcomes that God has promised us. Trials enable us to persevere through in order to maximize the goodness of God and the outcomes he's promised us. And that's our hope. Our hope is grounded in that. That's the basis of our hope. So it's based in the future, yes, but God is guarding us right now until we get to that point And even when we go through trials, those trials are being used to test and prove the idea of testing. In this case, you don't really fail the test, by the way, here. It's an, an actual approving your faith, of demonstrating your faith that you hang on through the trials. They test your hope. So, what about the proof of all of this? I mean, where, where's the proof of our hope? How do we know we're not just in wishful thinking mode here? I mean, if I'm saying that everybody that goes to the party conferences, are, no matter which party, are in wishful thinking mode, how, how do we know that we're not in wishful thinking mode? How do we know that we're not being deceived? How do we know that we're not being distracted from this? And Peter tells us we've got proof here of our hope. The first proof of our hope, I've already mentioned, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has risen from the dead. We're born into that. That is our guarantee. But that's not the only proof. He says the next proof is the fact that you love Jesus even though you haven't seen him. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, by virtue of the fact that you're a Christ follower is proof that you have this hope. But it's not only that. The the next proof of our hope is the prophet's testimony, because the prophets prophesied that all this stuff about Jesus would happen, and their testimony has been true, and so based on the reality of the resurrection, the prophets prophesying the resurrection, and the fact that we're Christians, that's the living proof of our hope. So what do we do? I mean, Peter gives us some, some things. How, how do we live out then this hope? Because hope is worthless if it doesn't influence how we live. Hope is worthless if it doesn't influence how we live. In, in other words, if I was uh, a, a young man and my father promised to give me a car when I turned 16 years old, which happens a lot, in the, or used to happen a lot in the United States, cars are more expensive now. Uh, and, and he promised to do this, but I never trained to drive a car. Then I don't really have hope, do I? But if my father made a promise and I prepare myself to receive the promise, that's a demonstration of my hope. I li- I have to live. If I have a real hope, it makes demands on how I live my life. So what does Peter say we need to do? He says, first of all, we can we can focus on the preparing our minds for action and being sober minded. But his instruction here is to set our hope fully on grace. This hope is not about what we do. It's not recompense for God from being good little boys and girls. He's not like Santa Claus, that if we're good during the year, we can hope that it'll give us a nice present under the tree. Hope comes by grace. Our hope is based on the grace of God. We can have hope because we know God is gracious, so it doesn't matter how our performance is. And that's important to remember because he tells us next thing be holy in all your conduct. Be holy in all your conduct. In other words, live in a godlike way as best as you can. So we had set our hope on grace, but we need to live in a godly manner. It's a bit like again going with the illustration of receiving a car. Uh, if I if I know I'm going to receive a car, but then I go out and I steal a car, that not only will prevent me uh, from uh, that will prevent me from experiencing the hope that I have from my father of receiving a car, because I won't be able to get my license. I'll probably do some jail time. You know, these kinds of things. And, and in the same way, if we live lives that are just casually sinful, we can't expect to experience the fullness of the hope that God has for us. And then he says, third, conduct yourself with fear during the time of your exile. It means remembering that we are strangers in a strange land, even if we were born in this country. We're strangers in a strange land, And so we need to live with a healthy respect of God and a healthy respect of the world around us to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. So we are to live based on grace, live holy lives, live lives that reflect God's righteousness and reflect God's goodness, remembering ultimately that our faith and our hope are not in anything this world offers, not any political party, not in our jobs, not in our bosses, not in our companies, not even in our churches, but our faith and our hope are ever and only in God. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to live in the reality of that hope. Even when we're going through difficult times, even when we're going through trials, help us to live. Help us to live as your people, a people filled with hope so that people will ask us, what is the basis of our hope? And we can say the goodness of God in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.